Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to Wellness and Wanderlust. I am so grateful to have you join me for another fun-filled week. And for those of you who are new here, my name is Valerie Moses. I'm a nine to five working professional who created this podcast to help busy people like you and me navigate the world of wellness and live healthier lives. There are so many podcasts out there, so I truly wanna thank you for listening to mine. I really wanna create a safe space for us to talk about all areas of wellness and to do that from a really approachable and easy to implement perspective because I think so often wellness can seem really intimidating and we're really not sure where to begin. So again, thank you for being here and I hope you will join me in the weeks to come. This week, we're going to be chatting with Sherry Broder, who is a mind-body weight coach and host of the podcast Weight Loss for Foodies. If that name sounds familiar, it's probably because you've heard me talk about her show before over the past few months. Sherry's podcast is incredible and it teaches women how to dump the diet mindset, which I know that so many of us have fallen into, and develop a peaceful relationship with food. You know that I'm all about that concept of approaching wellness from a place of love, so I was thrilled to talk to Sherry for this week's episode and to learn her story and her tips. In this episode, Sherry shares her strategy for losing weight in a healthy way without giving up the foods you love. We talk about why diets don't work in the long run, how to differentiate between body hunger and head hunger, and I don't know about you, but I have fallen into this trap so many times, how to overcome our emotional eating habits, and how we can navigate a post-pandemic social life without falling back into unhealthy patterns. I know that you're going to love Sherry's positive approach to wellness. So without further ado, let's dive into the show. Hi, Sherry. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust today. Oh, I'm so happy to be there. Can't wait to talk about all this stuff. Well, me neither. I am such a fan of your podcast, and I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your wellness journey and kind of what led you here. Yeah. Well, I'm one of those people who was raised in a family that had a huge emphasis on food, and everybody had bad eating habits in terms of, you know, overeating and my mother used food as a reward and all that sort of stuff. So for me, when I stopped getting taller, which was in seventh grade, I started gaining weight. And that was when that struggle began. So we, I then, you know, spent the next 20 years yo-yo dieting between like being 10 or 20 pounds overweight and trying the latest fad diets with no permanent success because diets don't give you permanent success. Mm -hmm. But I didn't understand that at the time. And my mother was always on some diet and she bugged me about my weight. And and I loved, you know, movement. I was a dancer. I was into gymnastics and that kind of thing. And I started practicing yoga before anybody knew what it was. I was (laughs) 16 years old at the time. It was before that. So I was, you know, very active, but I was just eating too much and a fair amount of junk. And I got really into nutrition. I read Adele Davis, Let's Eat Right to Keep Fit when I was 16 also. But you can gain weight from eating too much healthy food. Mm-hmm. But I still had a lot of body confidence. I was curvy. And and then at age 32, I started practicing law. I went to law school and I started practicing law. And just the compulsive eating and the stress eating 
went into overdrive and I gained like 40 pounds in four years while working at a law firm on top of, you know, the 10 or 20 I had when I started there. And yeah, so I'm just a little tiny bit also about me is, you know, I'm a mind-body weight coach for foodies, but I am also still a labor arbitrator. I still do some labor arbitration and I live on the coast of Maine, just north of Portland, well, I think that's something that a lot of us can relate to. Um, I grew up in a house where there was restriction and then sneaky eating. Yep. And so that definitely led to a lot of unhealthy food patterns for probably all of us in my family. Sorry to out them if they're listening. <laughs> but, um, you know, certainly following me into college and then into adulthood later on. And I'd love to know what led to your practice as a mind-body weight coach? Oh, yeah. So that was kind of crazy because I I didn't give it a whole lot of thought. But what happened was I was really about to give up hope and losing weight. And then I was on Martha Beck's email list. Um, and Martha Beck is a well-known life coach for people who are unfamiliar with her. And she was promoting a webinar for, one of her cert- for a couple of her certified coaches for something called Weight School. And I just said, what the heck? I signed up. It was free. And what they were talking about just really resonated with me. And it was a non-diet approach. And so I immediately forked over what seemed at the time a lot of money, which was around maybe $350. And I joined this group weight coaching program, which was run by Susan Hyatt and Brooke Castillo, who have now become big names in the field. And they're not both, one of them's teaching the same thing as they used to, and the others kind of varied. But but anyway, I dove right in and it worked. And I lost weight for the first time in my life, fairly effortlessly. I changed my habits. I didn't gain the weight back. I actually lost the desire to overeat. And I felt so, it felt so great. I felt so free. I could eat what I really wanted without overeating. I mean, it literally changed my life. And I was so excited about it that when Brooke said she was offering coach training to become a life coach or or a weight coach, I was like, I've got to do that. I just want to tell any woman who wants to know who's been, you know, on this diet treadmill, how to make peace with food and eating and all that. What I didn't think about was what was involved in starting and marketing an online coaching practice. And it was a ton of work. So it was just sort of, I'm pretty impulsive. And that's a good example of it. <laughs> Well, it's such a great way to dive in and really help people because this is something that so many people struggle with. Now, what changes did you make to to lose the weight and what helped you to make peace with your food and body image? Well, the whole thing was really about, yeah, when you talk about body image, I had mentioned I had a pretty good body image even when I was, say, 10 or 20 pounds overweight. But the extra 40 that went on after that, I just really started just not liking the way my body looked. And I I didn't hate it the way a lot of people do, but that changed a lot. But so it was actually pretty intuitive. It's not technically what people talk about as intuitive eating, although there's a lot of that in this approach and in what I teach. But basically, it involves listening to your body and eating what you want to eat. There's no food restriction at all. When you're hungry, stopping when you're lightly full, eating what I call consciously as opposed to mindfully, where, you know, you're paying attention to your food, although some 
people think of mindful eating as kind of more like almost being in a meditative state. But I'm just saying, <laughs> don't have your phone there, check in your email, just when you eat, eat, and really savoring your food and getting that satisfaction. And then another big thing was kicking the emotional eating habit, because I was a big time emotional eater. And like I said, you know, in that law firm, that was all emotional eating. I was just so stressed out. It was not a good fit for me. And so that's what I did was I, I learned how to stop emotional eating. I think that's something that so many people struggle with. I even remember as early as preschool, sitting in class one day and thinking to myself, how do I know when I'm hungry? I think it was maybe around snack time. And I think that's something we sometimes we don't know. Am I hungry? Am I do I need water? Am yeah. I bored? Do I need a break? How can we really tune in and figure out if it's a hunger cue versus I need something emotionally or just something else in my life? Yeah. Well, you know, people easily, first of all, in our culture, we don't really think about hunger and eating. We don't associate the two. I mean, obviously people think, oh, I'm hungry. I need to eat something. But so many people do so much more eating than that without, you know, if they eat because there's free samples at Trader Joe's or there's not anymore, but was oh, COVID, yeah. but, um, but, you know, or because they're at a party or because somebody put candy in the candy bowl. There's so many reasons that people eat now that where they don't even think about whether they're hungry and advertising. It's like, oh, you know, get a pizza and just call this number. And we don't think about hunger and then on top of that, it sometimes is hard, and especially if that's been your orientation to just not associate eating and hunger, is distinguishing between physical hunger and what I call head hunger, which is when your brain's telling you to eat something. And for a lot of people, that's hard. It's hard to distinguish, but it really is. Hunger is a physical sensation, and maybe you and I may experience it differently or not. But you really need to get to know it. And it's sort of like you have to urinate. You know, <laughs> nobody has to tell you. You just know it's a feeling, right? And mm -hmm. so you go to the bathroom. Well, hunger is the same way. But people, just some people haven't experienced hunger in a long time. And so they mm -hmm. forgot what it feels like. It makes a lot of sense because I think we use food in so many different ways. And in this country, many of us have access to food at any time that we think we might want it. And so I think a lot of times it really isn't that question. It's just, well, it's the time of day that I eat Yep. or, you know, this thing is happening in my life. I want to celebrate or I am sad and I need to enjoy the pint of ice cream or what have you, <laughs> yep. even past that point of the physical discomfort because because it fills a void supposedly, you know, for something that we feel that we need. But it really, see, that's a, that's what, I mean, as a former emotional eater, and I've been an, mm. I was, I've spent a lot less of my life not as an emotional eater than mm. as one. It really doesn't fill a need. It just, mm -hmm. it's like a temporary salve, you know, it's sort of like putting a Band-Aid on a broken bone. It, we do have a need that's causing those emotions that we think of as mm -hmm. uncomfortable, like sadness or fear or overwhelm or whatever. And then we eat to avoid feeling them because we don't like feeling uncomfortable. And actually not wanting to feel uncomfortable is a lot of what 
a lot of eating is caused by that. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't really solve the problem that is causing that. I mean, like if I talked, you know, I talked about being at that law firm and not being happy. So I, I would feel better by eating, you know, the secretaries would put peanut M&Ms or little chocolate kisses, you know, just like drugstore mm -hmm. kind of candy in, in bowls. And I ate a lot of it because, oh, poor me, I was just so stressed out. I had so mm -hmm. much work to do and, and blah, blah, blah. But if I hadn't done that, because it did, it does, I mean, I'm not going to lie, it does help you feel better for a little while, but a very short amount of time. And once the food's gone, right, you still have the problem. You're still stuck mm -hmm. in that job that isn't right for you or or that, you know, with this partner who it, your things aren't going well or whatever it is. And if you if I had stopped eating the candy long enough to really think, what am I doing here? You know, I, I think I would have been out of there a lot sooner if I wasn't using emotional mm -hmm. eating. So it just keeps us from figuring out what that need is, you know, what that void is that needs to be filled. Because food is, you know, I say if hunger's not the problem, food's not going to fix it. That is so true. And I think about even during the pandemic with, you know, we have fewer distractions from what's going on in our lives because we have been stuck in our homes. And I will not forget there was a day at work, I was very stressed out. And all I wanted to do was crawl into bed and order a pizza. Mm -hmm. I have a gluten sensitivity. I would feel really sick if I ordered the pizza. And I don't do great with dairy either. And I remember sitting and just letting myself cry, which was something I never would have let myself do. And that feeling, the majority of what I was feeling was gone in about five, 10 minutes. I It took the edge off and I, did, I didn't order the pizza. Um, just stepping away from the situation and letting myself kind of work through the feeling, even though it was really hard in those few minutes, but it passed a lot quicker. And then I wasn't feeling sick later in the day. You know, that's so I'm so glad that you said that because so many people are afraid to feel their feelings. And I mean, a lot of people, unfortunately, in the United States are even taught not to express their feelings for their, you know, because that's what their parents were raised with, or I don't know. But it, it's so unhealthy to not feel your feelings. And when you can't feel your feelings, then you're more likely to eat for emotional reasons. But mm -hmm. what you said was, you know, it just, you let yourself have a good cry, and it went away. And that's, that's one of the things, you know, that we do to deal with emotions is to just let ourselves feel them. Mm-hmm. And then there are a few other techniques that I teach people in, in um, my program and in my Facebook group and stuff for how to deal with uncomfortable emotions, you know, depending because different things like what you did worked for you. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of times that's all that you need to do is just like, OK, I'm feeling really sad. My cat died. It's normal to feel really sad because your cat died. So just let yourself feel sad, you know. Mm -hmm. Rather than eating, which is, yeah, it'll it'll make you feel better, but then you're going to feel like, oh, okay, so I gained 10 pounds because I lost my cat, mm -hmm. and now I've got those 10 pounds. And I, that's a different kind of discomfort, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And I noticed a lot of the time too, we had someone on the podcast talk about, she talked about having a qualitarian approach where she would enjoy, if she wanted something, she would really think about the quality over the quantity. And I think so often when we do that mindless eating, it really is that drugstore food that, you know, isn't really that good. We don't even really like it all that much. It's yeah. it's very easy to keep eating more and more of it, but it's not even something, it's not even something special that like your grandmother made for you or like a mm-hmm. recipe that you really love. It's something that's causing you to maybe gain weight or at the very least to not feel very well. You're not handling the situation. And in the end, it's really not very good. Yeah, it's so true. And I've actually, I have these um, exercises that I have people do where they eat something in a very slow way and they savor something. I say, choose something you really love. And a lot of people tend to choose like some kind of dessert thing or chocolate, but it, it could be pizza or anything else. And just, you know, savoring each bite and writing down how you feel after each bite and some of these folks will tell me afterwards, like, I really didn't like it all that much. Mm-hmm. You know, or after the first three bites, it just wasn't so great anymore. And I realized that, you know, why do I eat this? It's just not as good as I thought it was when I didn't let myself have it. Yeah, completely. I think we want the thing and we build it up in our head that I'm going to get the thing. And more often than not, it's really not worth it. Or you're right that those first few bites are fantastic. And that is really all that you wanted was, you know, the first three bites of the thing, and then you're kind of done with it. I'm trying to get past the point. I think there's a mindset that many of us had. My parents weren't really strict about this, but we saw this in other households for sure of, you know, you need to clean your plate. And I think even past cleaning your plate, like you want to finish the thing that you started eating. And I don't know why we want to do that necessarily. But, you know, I think if we can stop ourselves at the point of, hey, I I am not enjoying this anymore, I think that goes a long way too. Or sometimes you are enjoying it. Well, two different thoughts are coming to my mind. One is definitely this whole clean plate club thing mm-hmm. messes a lot of people up. It's like they mm-hmm. feel guilty if they don't clean their plate. And that's something that we were taught. And then I say, you know, well, so if you don't, you know, sometimes you can just put it, put it away and eat it later, finish the rest of it. But even if you can't, you get to choose between using your body as the trash can or throwing it away. And, you know, who wants to do that to their bodies? But then sometimes the food tastes really good. And that's why a lot of people want to keep eating because it's like, I love Indian food. And so that was always challenging for me. An Indian restaurant is just stopping when I'm lightly full. But then I learned how much better it felt because, you know, I used to leave restaurants and actually dinner most nights just feeling stuffed. And I learned to love that light feeling Mm -hmm. of not eating too much. And so now if I go into an Indian restaurant, I, I just would much rather walk out of there feeling good Mm-hmm. Than feeling bloated and gassy and whatever else. Yeah. And so, but yeah, we are we are taught that. And actually, my husband's brother, you know, they were forced to eat whatever they were given, whether they liked it or not. And he actually, we found out later, faked throwing up one night so that his parents never made him eat this food again. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just like. Well, I gave them a lot of credit because they were, Mm -hmm. you know, raised very strictly and they did what mom and dad said. And 
And he just thought, I, I'm not going to eat this. And he threw up at the table. That's sad that it has to come to that. I'm glad he was able to recognize it and to find some solution. I guess as a child, you don't necessarily feel you have that control all of the time because it is, you know, you're, you are being fed. And so that that's amazing that he was able to recognize that and find a way, but that's such a, that's <laughs> so sad that he had to go about it in that way for it to, other than, you know, just saying, I'm, I'm actually full. Thank you. Or I just hate this, which is the case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yet his mother is maybe the most diet weight conscious person I know and actually weighs herself twice a day and just, you know, all this kind of craziness. And, mm -hmm. um, and yet was forcing the kids to clean their plates and to eat whatever they served, whether they liked it or not. It just doesn't make sense. You know, and that brings that brings up a good point too. I think a lot of times, especially now, it feels sometimes that weight loss they're almost considered like a dirty word. Yeah. Um, I think because there's there there is a lot with our diet culture and a lot of unhealthy things that we may do for the purpose of losing weight, uh, myself included. I know that I've tried a ton of the fad diets when I was younger. How do we improve those relationships and still pursue our weight loss in a healthy way? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because it's sort of, be, it's become, to some people, all they talk about is dieting and other people, it's like a dirty word. Mm -hmm. And there, there's somehow, and, and there are a lot of people I know who have, or, or not who I know personally, although I do know some personally who have eating disorders, but they, you know, just the thought now of in their recovery of anything diet related is just, they get a very bad reaction. But I think... It's just the whole approach is, it's a great question, but the whole approach is wrong because, you know, it's like you're supposed to hate your body to be able to lose weight and you want to look like, you know, Jessica Alba or Cameron Diaz or something. And who, of course, don't look that way in person yeah. anyway, the way they look. <laughs> in. But I say to people that hate never motivated anyone to do anything positive in the world. And that you really have to approach weight loss out of love and care for yourself. Because, you know, you get this one body, that's all you get for the, mm -hmm. your whole life. And that lets you experience planet Earth. And if you want to feel better, then you need to take better care of your body. And sometimes for, for a lot of people, that means weighing less so that their joints don't hurt or so that they're not at risk for diabetes and heart disease and stroke. And, you know, we place way, way too much importance on how people, and especially women, look mm -hmm. rather than who we are and how much love we give and what we do for the world and all that. So it's like, I don't know, I think that you have to do what's right for you and not what other people think. And I think one of the reasons that a lot of people try losing weight and they're unsuccessful is because it's not really a priority for them. It's just that they think they want to. I mean, I think if you walk down the street and asked every woman, would you like to lose some weight? Probably 90 to 95% of them would say yes, because we hear so much about it. And there's so much emphasis on that. But if it's not a priority, it's not going to happen. And it's okay to not want to lose weight. And it's okay not to want to have a perfect 
you know, Hollywood perfect body as opposed to a normal human being body. And um, I don't know. I just think you need to have a reason to lose weight that's going to elicit a positive emotional response, you know, that it's not going to be that you've got your high school reunion coming up or a friend's wedding or your own wedding or whatever. There, it needs to be more like, yeah, like out of a place of love and care for yourself. And so I really have to teach people that hating your body is not the motivation you want. It just doesn't work. I think that's something that probably all of us needed to hear. I have certainly approached, I've approached weight loss from both sides. Um, I, I know deep down that most of the time when I weigh less, it is because I'm doing healthier, you know, I am eating more fruits and vegetables and less of the processed stuff. And I'm probably moving my body more. I'm probably feeling better. And so I do know that when when my weight is lower, I'm operating better in the majority of areas of my life. But I have also definitely approached it from, you know, I think the female expectation of looking a certain way. I work in community engagement. And so um, pre-pandemic, I was very much out and about and wanting to look a certain way. And, um, you know, definitely with social media now, too, it's even more difficult to stay away, I think, from some of the expectations because now, I mean, I think they're even talking about, I just heard a term yesterday called Instagram face, which I had never heard before, but just the expectations that social media and then Hollywood as well have kind of put in our lives. So I think that's really something important that we need to be thinking about is what is our why other than something as superficial as that high school reunion? Because while it might be nice to dress a certain way for that, that is not, that probably is going to be approached from more of a punishment type of place, I would imagine. Well, and not only that, but nobody else thinks about how you look nearly as much Mm -hmm. as you do. And I mean that in the proverbial you, like the listeners and all of us. And anybody who is going to not want to hang out with you or be your friend because you weigh too much is not somebody you want to hang out with anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just so superficial. And that's one thing with, so, you know, in my Instagram account, my Weight Loss for Foodies Instagram account, I do not post before and after pictures. I just, it's just like, you know, if you've been successful at losing weight, you don't you sh- that should be a reward in itself. You don't need to have that external validation by having everybody say, "Oh, you look awesome" or whatever it is. And and then at the same time making everybody else feel bad or making a lot of other people feel bad. So I just think I mean before and after pictures are just it, that's also superficial and I really I I avoid doing that. I would not do that and I know a lot of other weight coaches do you know, that, oh, look how, look at the success my clients have. Well, Mm -hmm. my clients have success too, but we're focusing on really the biggest success that the people I work with, the thing that they love the most, even more than the weight loss, is being able to eat whatever they love without having to like, oh, should I eat this or shouldn't, you know, we spend Mm -hmm. so much time and energy trying to think about what should we eat and was I bad and all of that stuff that just is so not helpful. And so they can eat what they love, not overeat, really enjoy their food, lose weight slowly, I will say, because it's not, you know, it's not like going on keto or something, but it also stays off. 
I think that's so true. I think I think we tie so much of our self-worth to how we were eating that day. <laughs> and you're right with the, you know, I was good today. Oh, I was a little bad. I had I I had a little piece of bread with with lunch today. And it does not make you a good or bad person morally. No. Um, but I think those before and after pictures, when we really look at them, it really is that instant gratification. And, you know, it's it's great to see, oh, wow, this method really worked for this person. But you're right. So many of us go from day to day, meal to meal, thinking this is going to affect my weight. And we put so much thought into it. But at the same time, it would be so much better to be able to go through life and really not think of it and kind of have more of that intuitive, you know, how, how am I feeling? You know, am I, am I hungry? Mm. And kind of going about life that way. And, you know, yes, I would like a piece of chocolate or no, I'm, I'm wanting chocolate because I am really sad. Yeah. And I think, just think of how much we could do with our time if all that time we that women spend nowadays worrying about, should I eat this? Should I not eat this? Should I get a salad because my friends are getting salad when I really want mac and cheese, you know? And all the time we waste checking out the latest fad diets and everything, if we just had a peaceful, sane relationship with food and eating, it just frees up a ton of time and energy that could be used for something so much better, you know, just to make your life a lot better. Because all of that obsession doesn't make anybody happier. And in fact, losing weight doesn't make people happier mm -hmm. if you're not happy to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. I hate to admit that because it's not great marketing, but it's true. I mean, absolutely. One one of my favorite podcasters talks about she had been, you know, maybe 250 pounds. She lost, she got down to about 110. She still wasn't happy. She's talked about losing all of that weight and getting all of the congratulations on how she looked and that it was that it was this huge achievement that they all wanted to. And and it's certainly something she worked for. But getting that quote unquote validation still didn't really make her happy. And she still had everything that was going on in her life that was difficult was still happening and not being addressed. And it didn't make her life better. And I think so often we do think of ourselves in terms of that before and after, but life really isn't like that. Well, well, and not only that, but I mean, it sounds like she probably lost the weight on a diet of some kind and then gained it back because she started, went off the diet and started eating the way she did when she gained weight in the first place. Well, that's one of the things I really like about the approach that I take, because when you're working at the emotional eating issues and managing where I teach people how to manage their thinking and do all that stuff, that actually does make you happier, whether you lose weight or not. You know, if you mm -hmm. stop obsessing about something that other people said or what other people think about this and you're able to manage your thinking, that definitely can improve your level of happiness at any weight. Absolutely. I think that is so true. Now, when it comes to weight loss, you know, we've talked a lot about emotional eating. I think that plays such a huge role into our overall lives. What are some of the other mistakes that we're making and how can we improve our mindset to, to see the world and to see food in a different way? Yeah. Well, we've talked about a few of the things and, and the big one is is listening to your body and only eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're lightly full. Because that's the amount of food your body needs for you to be at whatever your healthy weight is. So that's, that's super important. And so many people, as I said earlier, don't think about whether they're hungry. They just eat food because it's there or 
they're sad or whatever. But the other thing that's so important, and you know, you said mindset, it's cultivating an abundance mindset. And diets teach us the opposite. Diets teach us, first of all, they teach us don't think, just do what we say. And mm -hmm. I'm a big questioner and that just, <laughs> but I mean, I think questioning is really important. But what we really do need to do is think before we eat. And if you feel the urge to eat, it's important to ask yourself, am I hungry or is there something else that I want? So I think that's a big mistake that people make is they just use food for emotional reasons instead of asking that question. But getting to this whole mindset, so diets create this scarcity mindset where, okay, you can't eat this and you can't eat that, or you can only have a tiny serving of this or whatever. And so it makes it that much more likely that, and there's even science to back this up, that you're going to want those foods even more. So if you say, okay, I'm not going to have any sugar, then you're going to want sugar that much more. But if you cultivate an abundance mindset where you think, okay, I can eat whatever I want when I'm hungry, then you know that you don't have to just because I'm sitting in the Indian restaurant. I know it's not going to probably be my last meal of Indian food and that I don't need to eat it all at the table. I can take some of it home or even if I can't because I'm like traveling or something, I can have it some other time. It's not you know, it's not limited. There's no limit to this. And so if you know that there's no shortage of delicious food in your life, which you said, we, we've got access like 24 seven mm -hmm. to pretty much everything, then you don't need to eat it all just because it's there or because, you know, you brought this really nice, say, tabbouleh salad to for lunch and then someone brings in pizza and mm -hmm. And you don't have, you know, you weren't even thinking about pizza until the pizza, the, somebody ordered pizza for the office or whatever. You can have pizza whenever you really want mm -hmm. pizza. So if you if you have that approach, instead of thinking, oh, my God, I'm not allowed to eat pizza. I'm, I better eat it now while it's here. And then you eat four pieces of it and feel like you want to throw up. That's the scarcity mindset. And the abundance mm -hmm. mindset is, you know, I really felt like eating this tabbouleh today. And I can have pizza whenever I want, so I'm not going to have any of that. Or maybe I'll have one piece and or something like that, you know? That was such a game changer for me because working in community relations, you know, you end up at a lot of events where there is food and some of those, it is a meal time, but there were plenty of times I'd be working on a college campus and I'd pack a salad or something, or I would know that there's this healthy food spot on campus that has something I really like that I actually, you know, enjoy. And then there's free pizza at the event. And when I realized I could order myself a pizza anytime I want, and it, I could order myself probably a better pizza than the than the free pizza yep. that the college kids that's lukewarm in the in the outdoor you know yep. it, it changed the game and you know I, I think that is such an important approach to keep in mind now something else too with food I think that we touched on this a little bit that the people in our lives whether it's family friends I think they play a huge role. I think I think that there really is a lot with the psychology of social lives and food and and diet and kind of how they all come together. Hopefully soon with the vaccines rolling out, we will all have social lives again. <laughs> yep. So, so I'd love to know um, any tips you have for navigating a social life while you're pursuing weight loss or trying to keep weight off. Well, I think once you've got that abundance mindset, and if you're listening to your body, you're eating when you're hungry, 
you're stopping when you're lightly full, you can go to any social situation, you can go on vacation, and you don't eat any differently than you normally eat. So except that sometimes it requires a little bit of planning. So let's say you're going to some, someone's having an open house at five o'clock in the afternoon, and you might want to you know, avoid having that afternoon latte that's going to fill you up so that you'll be hungry at the party. Or, I mean, and I definitely do not like the idea of eating before a party so that, you know, then deciding I'm not going to eat there because that just doesn't work. And that's just mm-hmm. a miserable kind of a <laughs> choice to make. But if you can have whatever you want when you're hungry and stop when you're lightly full, you just you just have fun. And and what I do is, so if I'm going to a party, I go in there and I scope out and I see what I like the best. And then I'll take some of that. And I've learned how to focus on tasting my food as well as talking to people at the same time, which is <laughs> not always easy. But then I, I really enjoy the food and I'm satisfied with a sane amount and I get to eat the things I want. And so I'm not then thinking, oh, you know, I, I want to eat everything or I have to get as much as I can here because I have to go back on my diet tomorrow or that kind of thing. So I, I just, I, this works as just a whole lifestyle change that allows you to eat the way, you know, we all know those people who don't go on diets and never gain weight because they just kind of have this nice natural balance and they don't even think about eating when they're not hungry. And that's the way you become one of those people. So socializing is is not an issue. But if it is, as you're like starting off, it's a good idea sometimes to plan in advance. And just, I say to just visualize yourself at the event and just doing that sort of thing that I said about scoping it out, taking what you really like, making time to taste the food and enjoy the company and picture yourself doing it and practice that. And then it's more likely that when you actually go to the event that you're going to do that because your brain doesn't know the difference between visualizing things and actually doing them. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a little rehearsal. I think that is such a great tip and something that I will definitely keep in mind as I start to venture out a little bit more because I think that it can be a little bit difficult at first. And I think also not being in that element for a long time, but just I I think honestly taking the time to taste the food, that is something that we don't really do at these events. Sometimes you're having a little bit of that anxiety of maybe not knowing someone and you, you mm. hit the, the food table first. And so- yeah. Yeah, I think taking that time to really visualize it makes such a huge difference. Yeah, it definitely it, it it can be really helpful and I don't need to do that anymore, but I used to do it. And now again, just with that abundance mindset, I'm not worried about what I'm missing out because I know I can have what I want when I really want it anyway as long as I'm hungry. Definitely. Now we did have a listener write in with a question. She wanted to know why she seems to gain weight the second she eats over 1200 calories. I know many of us have been maybe drawn to that MyFitnessPal at one point or another Mm -hmm. have fallen into the calorie counting. But yeah, you know, as soon as she's hit over that 1200 calories, finding that weight gain starts to take place. What do you think is going on? And how can we work past that? 
Yeah, it's obviously hard to know without knowing more about her mm-hmm. and what she's eating and so on. But it sounds like she's eating way too little and probably dieting has messed up her metabolism, is my mm-hmm. guess. Because that's what dieting does. There, And there's also lots of science to support this, that people who even go on like two diets in, when they're younger are more likely to be overweight or obese as adults. And it's it's partly because of that whole diet scarcity mindset makes us eat in that kind of crazy way. But also, I don't know how old this listener is, but 1,200 calories is not enough food to have your body running well. And so, yeah, I think that probably focusing on or maybe even working with someone who can help kind of normalize her eating. So I know this isn't a really great take-home tip, but I I just think she's just eating too little. And I have I have seen other people like that too, but then they they change what they're eating. They kind of experiment and and find that for that some foods they do better with than others. But I would say, first of all, stop counting calories. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be aware of what you're eating, I love the eight app. It's A-T-E. It's free. And you take a picture of your food. So you're aware, which is so important that, you know, instead of just, I've had clients say, oh, that that cookie just hopped into my mouth. I don't know how it got there. (laughs) Well, if you have to take a picture of it first, you have to go, okay, I want a cookie, take a picture, eat the cookie. You know, you're making a decision as opposed to just working on habit. So, you know, if she wants to keep track, I think that's such a better tool and just really listening to her body instead of counting calories is a better way. But yeah, she might have to work on fixing her metabolism, which is not something that I have any expertise in, but that I know it's a process that some health professionals can do um, when you've been dieting too much that you can return to something, get your metabolism to be a little more normal. Um, Because nobody, I mean, unless you 1,200 calories is just not enough for your average healthy person, and depending on how old she is, you know. Yeah, it's so frustrating because a lot of these, you know, the calorie tracking apps will default to 1,200 calories to lose weight. And I found that when I've done the diets where I'm counting calories, I lose a lot of weight in a couple of weeks, and then it starts creeping back up. Mm. And so I'm sure that I've done a ton of damage to my own metabolism over the years. The times I've successfully lost weight have been when I've been really conscious of the foods I'm eating and am I feeling well when I eat these foods and trying to have more of an additive approach of am I getting fruits and vegetables in my diet? Because not not even taking that restrictive approach, but you know, making sure that I am eating those nutrient dense foods because our bodies, that is really important for us too. I have found, you know, not counting calories at all, but when I am eating more of those foods, I naturally start to lose weight because I have more of a natural stopping point. Well, that's the whole thing about listening to your body is that, you know, if you, I found what what happened with me, and I think a lot of people think that we eat less than we actually do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be true with almost everybody that I work with. When I started waiting till I was hungry and stopping it lightly full, and I, I have a hunger scale that I use with my clients and stuff for figuring all that out, but I was eating probably 60 to 65% of what I had been eating previously. 
Mm-hmm. And so you're going to lose weight. Uh, and yet I was eating whatever I wanted. And, and granted, when I say that, you know, when you let yourself have whatever you want, you're probably not, most people think, oh, well, I'm just, all I'm going to do is eat brownies and chocolate chip cookies and French fries if I eat just whatever I want. But no, if you're listening to your body, your body's going to say, no, don't do that. You know, you feel awful. It's like you mentioned gluten, and I also am lactose intolerant. Mm-hmm. You know, if I eat those foods, I know I'm not going to feel good. And if, if mm-hmm. I'm listening to my body, I'm going to be like, yeah, don't, I'm not, I don't want that. And just allowing your body, because your body doesn't lie to you the way your brain does. Like mm-hmm. with, when I was talking about head hunger and, and your brain saying, oh, there's that, your favorite bakery and look at those croissants and mm-hmm. don't you want one? And it smells so good. And oh, I must be hungry. <laughs> but I had breakfast an hour ago, you know. I think it's such a good point because I, so I took your master class and I'll definitely ask you a little bit more about some of your resources, but I took your master class the other oh, day great. and I was thinking about my own hunger. I've been working from home since March of 2020. And I work in my kitchen right now. I don't have my guest room set up very well for an office setting. So I am in the same room pretty much all day. And I was getting up thinking, okay, I think it's time for a snack. It had been a few hours since I ate lunch. And as I was really thinking about it, I thought, I actually am not that hungry. I think I just need to get away from my computer. And I walked a lap around the neighborhood instead. And that kind of you know, I, I was good. And, Yay. I, and I I think it's just being conscious about it and really, you know, really thinking about that. And I that's what I love about that app that you mentioned. I'm definitely going to link that in the show notes because I think yeah. just stopping to take that picture, then you, that does give you a moment of, do I want this? And if you do, you know, if it's, if you're hungry and that's really what you want, that's great and enjoy it, but don't bring the guilt with it. Exactly. Yeah. And is it going to make you feel, are you at that lightly full stage where you're not going to be comfortable after you eat it? Well, yeah. And, and definitely, you know, if you're, if you really want the croissant or whatever it is, and you really savor it and you really enjoy it, you'll feel so much more satisfied. And you definitely, nobody should feel guilty about eating food. I mean, I, I even, I even, I'm a big Trader Joe's fan, and I actually emailed them and said, "When you stop marketing things as reduced guilt, nobody should be guilty because they're mm-hmm. eating. It's food, you know. And yeah, a lot of us have eating habits that aren't the best, but you know, once you start listening to your body and 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 get the into that abundance mindset where you're not thinking." oh, I can't eat this and I can't eat that and whatever, and you can eat what you want, you'll find that there's just this natural balance that your body arrives at, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm so, so great about you taking a walk because so many times when people think they want to eat, or like, let's say, you know, for me, it was a problem like four in the afternoon, I would be getting bored mm-hmm. and I'd think, oh, I'm hungry. Well, no, I'm really not. I just need a break. So why don't I just, in fact, I thought, well, if I could stop my work day at four, I probably never feel that urge to eat because I could yeah. go do something fun and, I, and I'm already tired because I've been working all day. And, you know, I just need to sit outside and listen to the birds or take a walk around the block or meditate or just do anything, play an app game just to get a break. Definitely. I, I think so often it really is just needing that break or just a change in your environment. 
more than actually needing the food. And I think the food is just that, you know, it numbs us to it for a few minutes, but more often than not, it's not what we need. I'm so glad that you watched my masterclass. Yes, of course. I I found it to be very helpful. I liked that hunger skill a lot because that is something I think about is you're right. When I'm at that, you know, about a six on that hunger scale of lightly full, I'm not hungry anymore, but I'm not waddling out of the restaurant. I feel so much better. I sleep better. I feel better in the morning. Um, if, If I take the leftovers home, then I have something to enjoy the next day. If I don't, that's fine too, because I got to enjoy it the day before. But I really do feel better when I stop, when I'm satiated, but when I'm not totally stuffed, because then oftentimes you're experiencing that negative emotion. You eat to feel better. You feel better for a few minutes and then you feel worse about the situation and you're physically uncomfortable. And now you're beating yourself up for doing it. Yeah. And beating yourself up never does any good because then that brings up more negative emotions or more uncomfortable emotions. I don't like to call emotions so much negative and positive because Mm -hmm. they're all important. But, you know, so you feel these uncomfortable emotions and what do you want to do? Eat to get rid of them because that's what you've always done. So it's beating yourself up. No, it's so much better to just, okay, I ate too much and what happened? Oh, yeah. Well, it was because I was scrolling through Instagram while I was having this snack. And so next time I'll have my snack, but I will put my phone away. Mm-hmm. You know, so just what would what would what will I do next time so that I don't keep making the same mistake over and over again? Definitely. Now, I would love to switch gears a little bit and ask you just a few of our rapid fire questions so our listeners sure. can get to know you. Awesome. So we've been talking about a lot of these in this in this conversation, but what would you say is your top wellness tip? Oh, you can probably guess by now to listen <laughs> to your body because it doesn't lie to you. Your brain does. And if you just feed yourself when you're hungry and, and notice when your body doesn't like something and maybe don't keep eating that kind of food. Mm-hmm. You'll just feel so much better and your body will get to the right weight for you. I think that's so important. Where is your favorite travel destination? Oh, I love to travel. Um, mm-hmm. So far, it's London. And there's still a lot of the world that I want to see. But that's my favorite city in the world. And I think in the United States, I'd say Portland, Oregon. I've never been to Portland. I've never been to either Portland. Um, I'm wanting to make a trip to both, but I absolutely loved London. I oh, wish yeah. that I spent more time there. Oh, I wish I could afford to live there. Yeah. I, just, I love I love London. It's such a cool city. If you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? I would be, uh, that's a hard question, but I think I would be a dolphin because dolphins are really smart and they're really playful. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not in big risk on the food chain either. Yeah. I love dolphins. That's a great answer. If you could master a completely new skill, what would that be? Oh, so I don't know. I was thinking that it would, hmm, I would love to be a really great bass player. Ooh. Yeah. And, and the reason I'm kind of hesita- hesitating to give you that answer is because I actually started taking bass lessons. And so it wouldn't be completely new. But I picked it up, you know, later in life. And that's what I'd like to be able to play the bass like Esperanza Spalding or Victor Wooten or someone. Oh, that's amazing. And congratulations on take, on taking classes, too. I think that's wonderful. I love that. I, yeah, I love it. It's so much fun. I'm, I'm married to a very accomplished musician and my both my kids are 
very talented. And so it's like, I was feeling left out. (laughs) That's awesome. I wish I could play something well. Well, you can learn still. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I do have a keyboard in, um, in my guest room and occasionally I'll teach myself something, but I'd like to at some point maybe take some classes, whether it's for that or maybe dust off the ukulele. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the uke is how I started. My husband bought me one as a present and he called it a gateway instrument. Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And it was. That's amazing. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Um, So kind of on a similar note, what is next for you on your bucket list? Well, I want to um, spend one month each year living someplace different. Like maybe next year, spend a month in New Zealand, and then the year after that, a month in Provence or whatever. I've put together a long list and I'm getting older and still a lot of the world I want to see. And I thought that would be a way to really experience a place rather than just spend a few days there. I think you're so right. We actually had a guest who did that for a couple for a year or so. Just so cool getting to hear the experiences of doing that. I think that's something you're you're right. You get to know a city so much better than, you know, doing the touristy things for a few days. You actually have like, you know, your set coffee place and mm-hmm. where you do your groceries and, you know, where you go for your walks and and all of that. I I think that is so cool. Yeah. Well, it's it's in the works. Hopefully starting next year. We'll see. <laughs> yes. Well, that's amazing. Now, before I let you go, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what services you offer, where they can find you and connect, and of of course, about your podcast as well? Right, because I I have a podcast called Weight Loss for Foodies, which is also, and it's, you know, everywhere that people go for podcasts, but, um, you know, Spotify and Apple and all those places. But my group coaching program is called Weight Loss for Foodies. And there are people in it from all over the world, but I keep it a reasonable size so I really can get to know everyone and give them the attention they need. And we have live coaching three times a month, and there's an online community, and there's course material on Teachable. So that's my main thing. I also have an email course on emotional eating and that free video masterclass that you mentioned called kick the emotional eating habit for good where people can acquire skills to deal with emotional eating. And that's, that's free. Um, And I've got a Facebook group called ditch the diet tribe where lots of people have been having success changing their relationship with food and eating and losing weight. And that's free. So that's lots of fun. That's awesome. I'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes so that listeners can find you and um, check out all the amazing things you have to offer. I highly recommend the masterclass to anyone who is listening. I found that to be really just eye-opening and it caused me to think a little bit differently about how I was using food and on an everyday basis. So thanks. Of course. And I was going to say that there, you know, on my website, sherrybroder.com, there are a lot of free resources available for people who want to change their relationship with food and eating. And I'm also on Instagram and YouTube. Wonderful. We'll definitely link all of that in the show notes. And Sherry, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your story with us today. Thanks so much for having me. It was so much fun talking to you. I love Sherry's mindful approach to food and weight loss. Eating when you're hungry sounds like common sense, but for so many of us, it can really mean that we have to retrain ourselves and reevaluate our habits 
I think that we've a lot of times turned off those hunger cues and we're really more focused on the emotional cues. And for me personally, emotional eating is something that I have struggled with for a long time on and off. But I know that I always feel my best when I'm focused on how my food will actually make me feel and stopping when I'm lightly full rather than cleaning the entire plate. And I know, again, for some of us, that may be common sense. But a lot of times it can be very tempting, especially when you're out in a restaurant, you know, Indian food is definitely one of my weaknesses as well. And just knowing when it's okay to stop and having more of that abundance mindset rather than operating from a place of fear and restriction. Sherry has so many helpful resources on her website. So I've included those in the show notes. She does have a really great masterclass that I took that I, we spoke about on the episode. I highly encourage you to check out her podcast as well. Thank you so much for being a part of the Wellness and Wanderlust family and for tuning into this week's episode. If you're coming in from the Weight Loss for Foodies podcast, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. I hope you continue to tune into the show. And if you like what you just heard, one of the best ways that you can lend your support to this podcast is to leave a rating and review on whatever app you're listening on. Share this episode with a friend and tag me on social media if this episode resonated with you. Now, if you have a topic that you would like to see, shoot me an email at Valerie at wellness and The emails and the social media messages that I get do actually inspire the episode topics that we get into every week. So I really do listen to every single piece of feedback that I receive. I hope you have a wonderful day and I can't wait to see you next week.